Welcome to Fantasy Sports Daily with Kyle Elfrink and Ray Flowers, Monday through Friday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Don't forget to use the promo code FSD20 for a 20% discount on the products over at FantasyGuru.com. We welcome you back into Fantasy Sports Daily right here at FantasyGuru.com. Kyle Elfrink and Ray Flowers hanging out with you on a Monday, a short holiday week, which uh, makes everybody a little happier, a little more vibrant, a little more energy on this Monday, knowing that really for most of us, you've got three days to give. And then after that, you give all your energy to food. That, that That's kind of the plan for this week. Uh, we have a lot of things to get to, as usual, on a Monday, recapping the uh, busy Sunday that was in the NFL. But I do have to give a, a public pronouncement, a, a public pat on the back, a, a shout out to my friend here, Ray Flowers. Um, for those who were wondering, and and everybody, I mean, we all have our own leagues, but really it comes down to what's happening in Kyle and Ray's league. That, that's what most people care about, Ray. Uh, yesterday, you and I went head-to-head in the Sirius XM Experts League. Um, I, I knew I was going to get demolished, and let's just say for a fact, I did get demolished. Ray Flowers, you absolutely owned me. You still have a guy to play tonight in that Chiefs-Eagles game. Uh, you are already up. Uh, 116 to 60. And I'm done, Ray. <laughs> You're going to double me up this week in that league. Well, according to Sleeper, you have a 1% chance of winning still. Yep, yep. So I, I don't know how. I'm not really sure, you know, how I'm going to lose 60 points tonight with Rice. But I maybe mean, there's a giant. Where to have zero catches and like 15 fumbles. Right. Okay. I might have a chance to pull off the win. And maybe there was like a two or three touchdown correction on your side. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's that's that league is really funny because I started out really badly there, and then things started moving around, and I think I'll probably go to like six and five. What are you going to be? You're going to be five and six. Five and six. And 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 Ray, my my start was the opposite. I and and my team is not very good, honestly. It isn't. Um, I, I lost Kirk Cousins this week. I could say, well, look at everybody I had on by. I think I had like six dudes on by, but they're not really that good. <laughs> the six guys I had on by. I, Ray, I ended up having to roll Jeff Wilson in my starting lineup, and he well, didn't even. <laughs> well, this is a 14 team league, so it's you know a little different than other people. But yeah, that's that. And again, that's. You know, you always want to keep an eye toward the bye weeks, of course, right? But at the same time, when you're putting a team together, you can't, you know, hamper your team by looking so directly at the bye weeks. So sometimes you end up with a week here or there where it's it is very tough. It, it uh, I I made a big call in this league. You and I were doing this draft live on air mm-hmm. uh, back in August. I had the number two pick. Number two, it's a half point PPR league, and Ray, I made the big call, a f- ridiculous call. In hindsight, I went B. John Robinson over McCaffrey well, at number two. It, it, and, and, and I knew it was risky. I knew it. And I hate to say one pick has made me five and six. But, Ray, I bet I would be like seven and four if, if I'd gone the other direction. McCaffrey over Robinson with that selection. Yeah, and, you know, like I'm looking at Robinson's like running back 12 right now. So he's still been okay. But if you look at the point total, there's like a 110-point difference. Which, to your point, is nine points a week, which is, you know, you wouldn't have won this week, Kyle, but I'm sure there would have been other yeah. weeks where you would have. Um, yeah, you know, I mean, it's it, and oftentimes I find myself like I made the decision in the the uh, elite sports league with the, the listeners, the followers. Um, I was going to take Cook, Dalvin Cook, because at the time we were doing it, we thought Dalvin Cook would be the lead. And then I was going to grab Brees Hall the next pick. 
Ended up with Dalvin Cook. Didn't get Brees Hall at the next pick. How'd that mm-hmm. go? So I'm like, I'm at 500. If I'd gone the other direction, I'd probably be like eight, you know, eight and three or something crazy here. So yeah, it, it oftentimes does come down to a pick or two or a move or two on the waiver wire. The line is pretty thin between success and uh, struggles. At this rate, Ray, I probably should have just selected Devin Singletary as the number two overall pick. I might be in a better spot down the stretch. <laughs> Devin Singletary's on my team in this Serious yeah. XM league. So, uh, but yeah, he's, that, he, he's tearing it up. <laughs> 120 yards and a touchdown, two straight games after, uh, you know, Pierce ran for 60 yards twice the whole time. So their offense is really transformed. And uh, yeah, Devin Singletary's starting that kick. Starting to, Maybe it's going to be one of these legendary uh, Harrison type of kick. Now it's not going to be that good at the finals. But, you know, he's <laughs> he's certainly helped teams the last couple of weeks. Got more on the Texans coming your way. More on everything that went down on Sunday. That's what we do here on a Monday. Let's take a look at uh, some of the headlines that we got coming your way. I know Ray was uh, bothered by a lot of people yesterday morning about what to do with Josh Allen. The, the number one scorer in fantasy football. Uh, we'll, we'll get Ray's thoughts on this, but people wanted to bench him against the Jets. I hope they they didn't. Uh, really no issues for Josh Allen against the Jets. Uh, Trevor Lawrence, he's received a lot of criticism in the past seven, 10 day, days. Uh, he and Calvin Ridley, another target of criticism. They look good in week 11. Got to talk about Derrick Henry and Austin Eckler acting their age it looks like in the backfield. Tyreek Hill doing the usual, another 30 points. Uh, We'll talk backfields, uh, Pittsburgh's backfield, more information there. Minnesota, the Rams, we'll get to all of that. San Francisco 49ers appear to be back. Brock Purdy was perfect, like literally perfect on Sunday. Got some injuries, of course. Cooper Cup, a couple of guys in Seattle, Geno Smith, Kenneth Walker. Remember, the Seahawks have a quick turnaround. They play on Thanksgiving night. Uh, We will get a preview DFS style of the giant showdown later this evening between the Eagles and the Chiefs. That should be a fun one. Ryan Clifford will stop in. And we do have some baseball news. Um, Over the weekend, Aaron Nola re-upping with the Philadelphia Phillies. He's one of the big names that was available in free agency. Um, And also, we added another name to the free agent pool, the Milwaukee Brewers, cutting loose Brandon Woodruff. So we'll talk about that situation and uh, who might be interested in the injured right-hander. So loads of things to get to. As always, you see the promo code at the bottom, FSD20, Ray, which means your work is now 20% off right now. I don't know if that is an arrow to your heart or what, but 20% cheaper to get Ray Flowers' thoughts. <laughs> All that hard work, those 70-plus-hour weeks, 20% off. But no. <laughs> <laughs> we we want to get people involved. You know, again, FSD 20. Uh, we've got the all-in package for football. Uh, by the way, it's available right now. It's through the Super Bowl. And if you want to, you know, sign up for that, I think it's $100 with the promo code. So FSD 20. That gets you all seasonal football through the Super Bowl. That gets you all DFS as well through the Super Bowl. So all the football, all the rest of the season, $99.99 over FantasyGuru.com with the promo code FSD20. Okay, as always, you can uh, throw some comments, questions, whatever you got over in uh, Twitter. We're on Facebook. Uh, Find us in a variety of places, Uh, certainly YouTube. I know people are watching us and following us. A lot of people have been jumping in there. So, again, send us questions, comments, whatever you got. Ray's cat is uh, in the house. Dexter just said, yeah, Dexter apparently wants some attention. Sorry about that. Get him on a keyboard and he can comment in the room, okay, Ray? I don't want to hear him on the broadcast. He can comment in the room like everybody else. Okay, okay. Uh, okay. You and I handle the microphones here. Um, Okay, let's jump into uh, Sunday's action. Uh, Starting with that game between the Bills and the Jets. And obviously so much back and forth about the Bills in the last week. 
Uh, Ken Dorsey was fired and people kind of wondering about the Bills offense and uh, Josh Allen and can the Bills make the playoffs. Uh, Ray, 32 to six against the Jets. Now, I, I will say the Bills deserve to win this game. They were, I don't know if they were 26 points better than the Jets, but they did dominate. They did win for at least a day. People are backing off. But you told me yesterday morning leading up to, to this game that you were getting a load of questions about benching Josh Allen, which that is, I don't want to say alarming, but th that is something that catches your breath because Josh Allen leads the NFL in touchdown passes. Josh Allen leads fantasy football in raw points this year. And yet, Ray, people wanted to bench him against the Jets. All he did was go 275 with three touchdowns. Let's hope everybody followed your advice, right? Well, it's shocking to me. You know, you can follow me on Twitter X and all the other spots at the Ray Flowers. But on Sunday mornings at 10 o'clock Eastern, I'm answering questions for Sirius uh, at Sirius XM Fantasy on Sunday mornings. And I'm not making this up. I started counting because I was shocked. And I eventually tweeted out, like, what the hell is going on? I had one question about someone that wanted to bench Jalen Hurts. I had four questions about people that wanted to bench Patrick Mahomes. And I ended up with 10 questions about people wanting to bench Josh Allen. So 15 bench <laughs> questions amongst arguably the three best players in, in fantasy football, the three best quarterbacks in fantasy football, the three guys that were drafted. What the hell is going on? And Jeff Mance talked about this on his elite, elite sports show on Sirius XM Fantasy Sports Radio, which is 3 to 5 p.m. Monday through Friday, Eastern time. There are people that apparently play fantasy after watching ESPN or listening mm -hmm. to their local radio station talk about the struggles of Josh Allen. It don't matter if Josh Allen is struggling. It doesn't matter if he's turning the football over. Like you said, in fantasy, he's the number one player going. So you don't even have to break matchups down. You don't even you don't even have to be smart. You just play Josh <laughs> Allen. Go. Yes. Yes. Yeah. That's it. So I was legitimately stunned and, and people started arguing with each other. It was amazing. People were arguing with each other yesterday morning about the pros and cons, like let's play Sam Howell instead of him and all this stuff. And it's like, it may or may not have worked out yesterday, right? No matter what decision you made. But if you made the decision to bench Josh Allen, you're hundred percent wrong. Yeah. It's going to be hundred percent wrong. Every week you do it when he's on the football field, Cal, he's got to be in your starting line. And people need to understand you can be wrong about things and absolutely win. I mean, a lot of NFL teams make mistakes. They still win the game. That's life. That, that's human nature. But the decision is what we're talking about. Not the result, the decision. And, and Ray, I get it. The Jets are a really good defense. Like I, I wouldn't have expected the bills to post 32 against the Jets. It's not like I had some, you know, shining light from the heavens above that said, Kyle, the Bills will score 30 against the Jets. Make sure I, I didn't. But you play your studs. This is like the easiest thing, the easiest lesson in fantasy football. Play your studs. But every year people don't get it. And and Ray, there might be, well, look at Stefan Diggs. Mm -hmm. Stefan Diggs didn't do anything yesterday. Who cares? The decision is play him. Mm -hmm. I, I, the Bills have the Jets. Oh no, they're are they yeah, they're done with the Jets. They, but I don't care who the defense is. Play, 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 play. There are studs. Who cares? Play. Like Jamar Chase, Ray. You know, people, the concerns with Jake Browning and losing. It doesn't matter. You have to play him. Now, if we get four weeks of Jamar Chase turning in two catches a week for 20 yards, okay, maybe we readjust. But studs play, Ray. Mm -hmm. And whether you're Josh Allen or Stephon Diggs, I can't say the Jets really have any. Like, okay, there. here's a good one. Ray Garrett Wilson. 
to me, he's not at the level of Diggs. He could be if we ever got him a quarterback and he had like a year of 17 games with a good quarterback. But right now I have no problem if somebody comes to me with a Garrett Wilson question. Now, again, if you're in a three wide receiver league, you're playing him. Is he a wide receiver one? He can't be in this offense. Is his talent there? Yeah, his talent's there. Is he a wide receiver too? Honestly, people may have better options for their second wide receiver, depending on how their team is coming together. But I would still say, Ray, Garrett Wilson is a top 35 wide receiver every week, even working with whoever it may be, Tim Boyle or Zach Wilson. Or Trevor Simeon. Uh, yeah. The I think that there's a difference, like you're saying. There's different player studs, okay? And people get burned. And it's not – I think there's a difference, too, that, you know, when you talk about weather, when you talk about game flow, when you talk about matchups, like a guy like Garrett Wilson – is different because the quarterback and his offense are dysfunctional. Josh Allen runs his offense, right? Like it's it's a different scenario. So you always play him. You always play Stefan Diggs. And I agree with you. I think that what happens a lot of time here is that number one, if you drafted Josh Allen, you took him what first, second, third off the board, right? Mm-hmm. As a quarterback. Who maybe you grabbed Sam Howell and you wanted to do it like a guy was arguing with me on Twitter yesterday. Maybe you grabbed CJ Stroud. Okay, maybe. If you have Josh Allen, why do you have a second quarterback on your roster? Like what you're wasting a, a spot. Okay. There are certain guys again that always play, but I think you're right that overarchingly people make this game much harder than it is. Like the decision whether to go with Sam Howell or Kyler Murray. Okay. Whether we go Jared Goff or Russell Wilson. Okay. But don't make it complicated when it's obvious. Like you said, Diggs has had two down weeks. It don't matter. The, the two teams I've got him on. He, I haven't even looked at Stefan Diggs. He's in the lines every week. It doesn't matter. People have to simplify things instead of always thinking they can be the smartest person in the room. Well, and then you have Gabe Davis, who didn't even get a target. Um, oh now, I, I'm not the person to ask about Gabe Davis. I've been out for two years, so I, I don't know him. <laughs> the dude's just more trouble than he's worth, Ray. Um, I will say on the Jets side, and, and Ray mentions Trevor Simeon, we may very well be uh, with Trevor Simeon this weekend. Um, Aaron Rodgers is aiming, sounds like, week 16 for his return. We'll see. But, Ray, I will say that the Jets – their best offensive play is the dump off to Brees Hall. Yeah. They they should literally he, he should have, if I'm putting together this offensive game plan, right? Brees Hall should have eight to ten catches a week. <laughs> he can't run because the team can't. There is no reason to fear, you know, the passing game with the Jets. So teams just load up on the run. There's nothing there. Ray, the dump off to Brees Hall, that's it. That's the best play the Jets have right now. I don't care if it's Wilson or Boyle or Simeon. The dude should be walking away every Sunday with like eight catches for this offense. Yeah, they're going to lose to Miami in week 12. They're going to struggle in week 13 against Atlanta. They're going to struggle in week 14 against Houston. They're going to lose in week 15 against Miami again. Why is Aaron Aaron Rodgers going to come back for a team that's five and nine? Like, okay. And so time is running very, very short on this group. And you're right. The offense is bad. And, you know, I I saw – a write-up because like it, it's easy and obvious to say it's Zach Wilson. Okay, there's a lot of crappy quarterbacks in this league. Look at the game between the Browns and the Steelers yesterday. Those teams still win games, mm-hmm. right? And, and the, the, the Jets. Okay, where did the Jets go? Is it like 46 possessions without a touchdown or something? Like Four, it's, it's 41, insanity. 41 yeah. possessions. It's insanity. Like it's utter insanity. So this is also on the coaching staff. You've got to find mm-hmm. a way. And if your offense is so bad that the only move you've got is to dump it off to Hall, then give it to him eight times a game, like you said. And they're not doing that enough. 
32 to six uh, beat down for the Bills and a big win. Buffalo has to have that win. The schedule really picks up here. So they had to get that win, kind of must win territory. And they did take care of business. Uh, they will play on Friday, the Jets will. That's the uh, first ever Black Friday game tying in with Amazon Prime. So, Ray, get ready for that. Friday afternoon after the three games on Thursday, we got a Friday game. Uh, it'll be the Jets against the Dolphins. Let's talk about the Dolphins, who, uh, Ray, it was a pretty out disappointing. You win by seven against the Raiders at home. This is a, a Dolphins team that always plays better at home. It's a Dolphins team that is way more talented than the Raiders. And I don't think they were ever threatened in this game. Uh, but 20 to 13, and they just kind of just were there. Uh, maybe it's tough to get fired up for a game against the Raiders. Tyreek Hill, though, Ray, it's kind of silly where this is going now. Like he had 146 yards receiving on Sunday. And that's only his fifth best total for receiving yardage this year. His fifth at 146. I think he's up to seven games over 25 points in a PPR setup. Yesterday, it was over 30. It's pretty remarkable what he is doing. And every time he scores a touchdown, I think he's going to blow a hammy. Because he runs harder after the touchdown than he does before the touchdown. <laughs> and and yesterday he popped up with a ham injury. He came back and, and we should be fine. But it, it's a really, it's a fairly remarkable season. These last two years, Ray, have been a lot of fun to be a Tyreek Hill owner. They have. Uh, and he was third at the wide receiver spot yesterday in snaps and routes. Like he missed a good amount of time with that hand issue and still killed it. Uh, I think that you said it right. They weren't really threatened the Dolphins. They won the football game. That was a very unimpressive effort. And, you know, we'll talk about A-Chan in a second, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. But the the fact is that, you know, Tua, Tua keeps putting up these great numbers. He's not doing anything. Like, he really is not doing anything. Somehow, just like the Niners do, you get these great guys that are terrific in space. And you scheme it out. And you get everyone going doing this. Everyone running yeah. sideways. And the guy, and Tyreek Hill is wide open all the time. All the time. He's more wide open with the, the Dolphins than he ever was with the Chiefs, which is insanity. Because with the Chiefs, he was killing it with Mahomes and... They just run crossing routes and motion, and, and the defenses can't keep up. Tua goes back. He takes three-step drop, throws it into space. Tyreek runs and grabs it, and there's a 40-yard touchdown. It happens all the time. It's, it, it is rather remarkable that no one can figure out how to stop them. Uh, I think it's disappointing that the ground game really hasn't done much the last couple of games for the Dolphins. Uh, Jalen Waddles basically, uh, I don't know, who's Jalen Waddle now? Jalen Waddles turned into you know supporting piece. He catches four passes for 51 yards. This offense is all Tyreek Hill. If he blows that hamstring out, they're in big trouble, Kyle, because that's all they got right now. Uh, you mentioned A-Chan. Uh, he was back. I'm sure people stuck him in their lineup. And, Ray, I, I would guess he wasn't ready to go. He didn't make it through a quarter. The Dolphins swear. Oh, no, the, the knee's fine. Don't worry. It came out positive. We just wanted to take it. No. I, I'm not buying this. I you spend five weeks on the sideline, you come back, you can't even make it through the first quarter and the same spot that was injured is still an issue. And, and it is bad luck, right? I mean, maybe the knee got landed on whatever, but it was pretty quick and very decisive that he wasn't coming back into this game. So he may play, but like that, that four week splash that we had of HN. I, I, I don't know if it's enough to where he's playing this weekend. And who knows, with the early turnaround, he may not. They may take it easy against the Jets. And the matchup isn't one that you really embrace against the Jets. A-Chan is kind of just a flex guy, considering how long he's been off, the back-to-back -back knee injuries. 
it, it sounds rude to say because when he was out there, he was one of the best in, in fantasy football. But at this point, Ray, you're, you're kind of running the risk with A-Chan and what is his role and how much work will he get even if he's active for a game? Absolutely. And I think that, you know, you had Jeff Wilson. Jeff Wilson was inactive. He was, wasn't even on the field. Ahmed was the guy that was a supporting piece. Moster had 22 carries, which were a season high. Uh, but A-Chan was the guy everyone wanted to start. And I, I ran into this yesterday morning when I was answering questions. One guy finally said, why are you so against A-Chan? I'm like, I'm not against A-Chan. Like, we've got him running back 23. It's mm-hmm. that people have moved on. You know, you can't, you just, people had to build around the loss of him for the last month. So they've been adding pieces. Maybe they picked other people up off the waiver wire. And then you have to factor in, like you said, he didn't play for a month. Um, you know, where is he at? What's his role going to be? You can't, you can't get, you know, 14 yards a touch or whatever the hell he was, you know, I'm exaggerating a little bit, but you can't have, you know, 10 yards every touch as a running back. It doesn't happen. And as explosive as this offense is, eh, you know, you can't score 70 points all the time. So mm-hmm. I think that A-Chan is, and we've seen a lot of this with Mitchell, with the Ravens, that people mistake an explosive player that makes great plays over 10 snap or 10 touches as being someone that's doing it over 18 touches. We'll talk about Austin Eckler later. Austin Eckler kind of is that guy who at least used to be catching passes, but he's touching the ball 19 times a week. These other guys don't do that. So A-Chan will be fascinating to see because I bet a lot of people, if he plays in week 12, are going to fire him up again, Kyle. And uh, he's a big question mark at this point. Let's go to that Chargers game. They go on the road to Green Bay. And there's actually a lot to discuss here on the Green Bay side and the Chargers side. We'll start with that with that Eckler news, Ray. And, and we've touched on this before here on FSD. He's just not involved in the receiving game. And he's losing. I, I kind of totaled up last night how many catches per game you know, um, average uh, catches, uh, average yards per catch for his career. On average, just in the receiving game, Austin Eckler in a PPR setup is losing like six points a week. And and then you take away touchdowns, extra yardage, all that stuff. So it's fairly significant. But Ray, there's no, you know, when he is involved in the receiving game, it's been okay, like on a per catch basis, but it's just not there. And it's really astounding because they don't have Palmer. They don't have Williams. uh, They didn't have Guyton yesterday. they're throwing to Quinton Johnson, who every time he's more likely to drop the pass than to catch the ball. I mean, just a back-breaking drop in that game yesterday probably would have been a 70-yard touchdown in the fourth quarter, and he dropped it. It was terrible. But the the Eckler situation, Ray, and it hasn't been like me selecting B. John Robinson number two overall, but Eckler just isn't. We we don't have big games here. You'll get a touchdown, maybe a carry. He, He looks slow. There's less action for him. Um, and really his quarterbacks there, like nothing really has changed, but man, it's just a letdown of a season with Eckler. And it's almost like he's getting old fast with the LA chargers. Yeah. And I, well, that's why he wanted to get paid this off season. He's not stupid. Mm-hmm. He seems like a pretty smart guy, right? Yeah. Uh, Brandon Staley needs to be fired. Um, uh, cause they lose every week by three points mm-hmm. like every week for two years now they lose by three points. Yeah. And I don't know if people saw his interview after the, you know, the game, but he was really defensive kind of yelling at a beat writer. And it's like, bro, you suck. He's calling you out for sucking. Like, they, um, right. And, Am I wrong? Let me say, let me, and, and he was snippy. And I'm sure yeah. that it, I, I, I think the the question was fair, by the way, for yeah. the season, it may have been a little unfair with this game. I, I don't think the chargers defense was bad in this game. Mm-hmm. Like I kept looking like Keenan Allen dropped two touchdowns. Yes. Like really bad Johnston with his drop. Yep. Like they, they just, they, they were kind of bad all around. And, and Staley pointed that out. Like, so specific to the game, I thought he kind of had a point. It was a team effort losing, 
but the defense, which is supposed to be his bread and butter, Ray has it's just not been good this season. And and you're right, he's got to get fired. There, he he really has no business even getting to the finish line. I don't think this no. season to the Chargers. Justin Herbert's going to the Hall of Fame. Yeah. Okay, and everything around him, from his coaching to his supporting cast, is in the toilet. Okay, like you said, Keenan Allen dropped two passes. One inside the five-yard line, one on the goal line. Should have had two extra touchdowns for people that missed the game. Just, just flat out. One of the passes, he went like this. If you can see me on the video, he went like this, and the ball went. Didn't even touch his hands, hit him directly in the chest. And they said, and, the and sun. When I saw that, Ray, they, they talked about the sun. Yeah. And you can see, when a, when a guy, I mean, he leads the NFL in receptions, by the way, people. Keenan Allen has 83 catches. We know he's, when, when a play like that happens, Ray, I, I think I will point to the sun. <laughs> <laughs> Either that or he forgot to close his hands. He can't yeah. Get... yeah, but then he dropped the other one that was right in his hands, too. Yeah. Um, and you mentioned Johnson. Johnson could have won the game with a 70-yard touchdown. He dropped it about 35 air yards. right. And no Google. son for Johnson to, to blame. Yeah, that. and they lost Palmer and Guyton wasn't playing. Like, you know, they're dealing with injuries. So, by the way, uh, Herbert ran for 73 yards. Like, he's really boosting. He's doing a Patrick Mahomes, really boosting his value each week with his legs, too. But back to Eckler. And we talked about this, and you've mentioned here on the show, we talked about this in the preseason at FantasyGuru.com. They're changing their offensive coordinator. And changing the offensive coordinator was going to lead to a reduction in targets to Austin Eckler. And it's exactly how it's played out. Okay, At the same time, this offense is dysfunctional. It really is. They don't run the football well. It hasn't really mattered who's run the football, whether it's been Kelly or Eckler. There's only been brief moments of flashing. Usually it's three, three and a half yards, and they get tackled. Um, Eckler needs to get in the end zone. The offense isn't operating effectively enough to give him those opportunities to get in the end zone. So, you know, you would assume, again, this is another one of those scenarios, you're down Palmer, you're down Guyton, Johnston can't catch, Allen's dropping the ball. So how many targets does uh, Austin Eckler get? Three. Like, <laughs> throw the ball to the guy that you know can catch it, give him some chance in open space. They're just not doing it, Kyle. And, and I'll say this with the Chargers, right? Keenan Allen, he starts. Justin Herbert, he starts. Absolutely. Austin Eckler, he starts. Yep. Yeah, you have to. These guys are starters. You're riding them. On the Green Bay side, um, I thought Jordan Love, pretty good moments. Good throws, comeback win. You know, I, I don't know what people expected of Jordan Love this year. It appears that they expected him to be great. I, I consider this a fine season. Like, I if, if I'm the Packers, I'm not tearing up the paper and saying, oh, my God, this guy can't do it. Mm-hmm. You know, like you noted, Ray, you can win in this league with very average quarterbacks, if not bad quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. So Green Bay's fine there. Christian Watson, two catches. One of them was a touchdown. That's good. But the running attack is probably what we need to discuss here. You mentioned Herbert leading the Chargers in rushing yardage. How about the fact that the Packers were led by Jaden Reed, their wide receiver? And we've got another injury to Aaron Jones. Um, And, Ray, we have another moment where A.J. Dillon is given a, a huge opportunity and nothing. Plotting. I mean, 14 carries, 29 yards. And and we'll see with, with uh, Jones. If he's back or not, I wouldn't be. So, I mean, Jones is getting up there in years. The injuries are piling up. He just doesn't appear to be healthy. So, Ray, even if A.J. Dillon, like, gets the start or we hear, like, the next two weeks it's his backfield, okay, get him, play him if you need. But, Ray, the expectations are nothing. This guy has continually done zilch with extra work, with extra opportunity. A.J. Dillon, he's going to be that guy at the corner of the bar in 10 years telling us, telling you, whoever he's sitting next to, what he could have been. And it's going to be like, no, dude, you didn't get screwed. You screwed yourself. You had multiple games where you could have become something and you failed. Yesterday was just another example of that with Dylan. And I don't know if that's going to, even if he gets the gig and Jones is out, it's like A.J. Dillon, 
I'm expecting like 40 yards and maybe a touchdown every week, even if he gets 15 carries. Yeah, Wilson hurt his shoulder too, the other backup running back. So they're going to probably need Dylan to have a significant role this week pending the news with, with Jones. I mean, he's not Trent Richardson, but at least Trent Richardson had one huge year. The only reason A.J. Dillon's did anything in the NFL, in my opinion, to this point is because he had Aaron Rodgers in the backfield. Like, he's done. He can't do anything. And you see, here are his yards per carry per season, A.J. Dillon. 5'3", 4'3", 4'1", 3'5". Okay? Oof. Here is yards after contact in the NFL. 3'1", 2'2", 1'7", 1'5". Everything's getting worse every year. It's getting worse. There's nothing. He's not doing anything on his own. Plotting is the perfect way to say it. And you can talk about the scheme. You can talk about quarterback play. You can talk about all these things. But the bottom line is, like you said, Kyle, when Dylan has been given an opportunity over the years, he's done relatively nothing with it. He would be the classic example of I'm getting 17 touches. I'm playing you because of that. I'm looking for 61 yards and a touchdown. Like that's all it is. It's really, really boring stuff. A couple of mediocre teams yesterday at Lambeau. Packers a bit better in their head-to-head against the Chargers. Uh, Let's stay in the NFC North, talk about the uh, Lions v. Bears. Good to see Justin Fields back on the field. And uh, Ray, you know, I'm not going to say, oh, the thumb was no issue. It's maybe 90%, but he looked like Justin Fields. The big difference, and the Bears lose this game, but the big difference, Ray, um, over 100 yards rushing for Justin Fields. He'd not been over, I think, 60 all season. He had 18 rushing attempts against the Lions. He had not been over 11 in a game before yesterday. Uh, so for whatever reason, the Bears kind of embraced the idea of Justin Fields running around, which, again, you know, this is the tug and pull, real life versus fantasy. And fantasy, Ray, we love what Justin Fields did yesterday. In real life, I don't know if the Bears really dig the idea of Justin Fields running around with the football 20 times a game. Well, if I'm not mistaken, I think that's the third consecutive game he's run for over 100 yards against the Lions. For whatever reason, he sees the open field against them and he takes off. And, you know, we we have all this. There's been the growing debate, right? And the reports out now about, well, he's got a show down the stretch here. They're going to draft, you know, Caleb Williams or whatever here. It's, and maybe they go in that direction to reset the salaries, right? To get a younger quarterback at a lower salary point. But what we saw yesterday from Justin Fields was who Justin Fields is. There were some bad plays. There were some mistakes. Yeah. There was some great athleticism. There were some runs. There were some nice passes. And they lost the football game. It wasn't his fault. Yeah. You know, the defense gave, got torched in the fourth quarter by the Lions after they were in control of the game for most of it. Uh, this is the Justin Fields experience. And I, we talked about this last week. And after seeing the game yesterday, I haven't changed my opinion at all. If I had Justin Fields, I feel confident that I can win football games in this league. And for some reason, the Bears don't feel that way. And, and here's the thing with Fields, Ray. They brought in the piece, DJ Moore. And I didn't think that would be, you know, particularly positive. Like, oh, Moore would be all pro level with Fields. Look at his numbers. Mm-hmm. He's been really good this year. Seven catches, 96 yards, and a touchdown yesterday. Now, again, some of that was Tyson Bajan. But overall, Ray, I feel the growth is kind of happening. You know, you got him a receiver, and what do you know? He's making use of that receiver. You got Cole Komet in place. You have a backfield that we got to keep the guys healthy, but it's okay. They're moving in the right direction. Maybe it's not fast enough for people, but I, I would be very hesitant. I don't care if you get the number one pick. I'd be really hesitant to just bail on this Justin Fields thing if you're the Bears. Well, the Bears front office, front yeah. office and coaching staff, that's, you know, and I I, I, I know how this is. Oh, grass is always greener on the other side. Remember when Anthony Richardson was drafted? It's going to set the world on fire. Every time Anthony Richardson got tackled, he got hurt. 
And maybe it's a one-off. Maybe he'll be fine next year, right? But that's the danger of the Bears run. Let's get someone else and we'll see how this goes versus we got this guy. We know what he is. Yeah, okay, there's a few things to work on, but okay. And we say it every week. Everyone's talking about it every week. There are a lot of bad quarterbacks starting in football games in this point. There's just a lot of quarterbacks that aren't up to the level that they should be to be starting quarterbacks in the NFL. It's just how it is. And when you look at Justin Fields and you look at the, all the skills he possesses, he is absolutely without question an upper half quarterback in terms of the skill set. You mm -hmm. need to coach that up and figure it out. Ravens figured out how to do it. They've had a lot of success with Lamar Jackson. The Bears need to consider doing the same thing. And I think it would be a mistake to blow it up, but I think they're gone. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. On the Lions side, uh, Gibbs and Montgomery, uh, more 50-50. They both get a touchdown. They both get 14 touches. Uh, so both those guys, if you own either one, you're probably pretty happy. Uh, Jared, you know, Jared Goff, you're going to have bad games every now and then. He had a bad game yesterday, but but he came up late, made the plays late. Uh, so everything looks good for Detroit. I will point out, you know, the Lions are great. They're a fun team to watch. They're 9-2. and two. Their defense is still, I don't want to say bad. It's not bad, but they they are a below-average defense that I don't think many people talk about because it's an exciting story And Dan Campbell. And you think rough-and-tumble defense. You, you see Dan Campbell, you're like, oh, yeah, that guy's a defensive guy. Their numbers are not that great defensively. So that will be something that could come up and, and kind of bite them. It's really helpful to have a guy like Goff and St. Brown. And and I look at this Lions team, Ray. It's really – it's like a three-man Hydra – or three you – know, what is it? Three-face Hydra. It's like St. Brown, Gibbs, Montgomery. They're a guy – Laporta should be in there, but he's kind of faded here. They're, they're a good offense, but, man, it's all Amon Ross St. Brown. Like, they got to be getting him the football – 10, 11, 12 targets a week. And then this Montgomery Gibbs one-two punch has held up pretty good. When you have both of them, it is an issue for any defense to kind of slow down those two. Yeah, it is. Absolutely. And this is a, a, a theme that they've had in the past, right? It was with Williams and Swift in the past. Now they've changed pieces, but the same idea. We're going to like to limit Goff to 30 to 33 throws a week, have them have some success. Like you said, St. Brown, all that kind of stuff. And then get these guys in the backfield rolling. And it's it's an it's a winning formula. They're eight and two this year. They were they were one of the best teams in the NFC down the stretch last year as well. So they're they're just they played good football for about a year now, to be mm -hmm. honest. And uh, the question is, how are they going to finish out the season? What's going to look like heading into the playoffs? Uh, but from a fantasy perspective, Goff is okay. St. Brown's a must start, and Montgomery and Gibbs they're must starts at this point too. Fifty-seven points in that game between the Bears and the Lions. Uh, we compare that to our next game. Twenty-three points between the Browns and the Steelers. Uh, Cleveland wins at thirteen to ten. Honestly, we're on the Cleveland side. You know, it is what it is. I, I, the most notable thing to me is with Dorian Thompson Robinson, who who knows if he's the guy because Joe Flacco was was signed to the practice squad. <laughs> but fifteen targets to David and Joku. So if you have Njoku, Ray, maybe they're dialing up that play a lot with DTR. 15 targets. It didn't lead to like any sort of massive George Kittle level game. Right. But sign me up for 8 to 12 targets a week, and maybe that's the direction the Cleveland Browns will go if they keep uh, Thompson Robinson under center. Yeah, he went 7 catch, 56 yards. Should have had an 8th catch. He had a terrible drop too. But um, that's if I see a game where Njoku gets 15 targets, my assumption is Ford, Hunt, and Cooper are all hurt. Like, that's crazy <laughs> to see that he got 50, the 15 targets. Um, but we talk about this a lot, and it's cheap and weak analysis, but there is something to it. A young, inexperienced quarterback often throws to the tight end because the read is easier. 
Mm-hmm. It's underneath most of the time. The guy get a little chip block. You you find a little hole in the zone. Boom! It's easy to do that versus trying to read a defense. Who's over the top? Who's coming? You know which way is the safety going? All these kind of things. Fifteen targets is too much. The offense won't work if they do that. But to your point, if it's eight targets a week and it's five catches, which is basically who Njoku's been for about two months now, no matter who the quarterback has been. If they continue to do that, he will be one of those guys that was picked up off the waiver in a lot of leagues that gave people a solidified role at tight end, which is something everyone's looking for. You know, it was surprising to see 15 targets. It's also surprising to see 43 pass attempts by yeah. Tom Robinson in a 13-10 game. Um, and they still got a dozen carries apiece to hunt and forward, but I, I thought they'd be even more driven by the running attack. On the Pittsburgh side, Ray, um, every week we talk about the running attack. So what's the latest now? Jalen Warren had the big moment. Um, even if you take away that giant touchdown, what was it? 74 yards, I think something Yeah, 74 yards, take away that right. He still averaged seven yards per carry. Uh, Najee Harris, I think was under three. So that's all like pro Warren. And I know that's where everybody's going pro Warren. Warren's the guy, Warren's the guy. As you're probably going to tell us though, Ray, look at the snaps and the touches. They still, they still favored Najee Harris in this game yesterday. We can all complain about what's happening, okay? And that's fair. I understand that. Warren is producing Harris isn't. I get it. But they, the Steelers have established what they're doing, and if you're ignoring that, that's on you, okay? And what they're doing is Harris is getting more snaps, as he, again, did yesterday, to Kyle's point. He's running more routes than Warren, as he, again, did yesterday. Uh, that's how this goes, okay? Warren is the guy that's popping. They're utilizing him differently. More importantly, they're utilizing him in the passing game. Right, they're getting him in space. They're using Harris. They're using these guys differently. Basically, and you look at it this way: twenty-six snaps in first and second down for Harris, thirteen for Warren on first and second down. So they take Harris, they run him into the line twice, they bring Warren in, he catches a seven-yard pass for a first down. That's what they're doing. And this offense—that's how it's going to be. They've established that mm-hmm. they have anemic quarterback play. Kenny Pickett is awful. Okay. <laughs> And as much and I and this and I'm not saying this, you know, you you've known me for a long time, Kyle. I don't usually say things too long. Yeah, yeah thanks. <laughs> Is he any different than than Garrett Wilson? I mean, I mean, excuse me, than Zach Wilson? I think Zach Wilson's. If I had to choose one of the two, I think I'd choose Zach Wilson because Zach Wilson has physical tools. Pickett can't do anything. He, what does he do? And they know it, and they're so afraid that he threw for 106 yards. He's got like one touchdown every like nine games he plays in the NFL. I'm exaggerating. But there's nothing happening. The only way the Steelers can win is games like this where their quarterback doesn't throw. They are Atlanta North. They are the Atlanta Falcons North. They embrace. I mean, the Jets should be like the Steelers winning tight games like this, but they can't. I'll give credit. The Steelers, what are they, six and four? I don't know how they got there. Kenny Pickett's been the QB for all of them. He hasn't been good in nine of them. (laughs) and, And maybe it comes to a coaching staff you know, using your players correctly. Uh, but you're right. Is there a big difference between Pickett and Wilson? I'd rather have Pickett than Zach Wilson, I think. But the Steelers know how to win even with Kenny Pickett. The Jets don't know how to yeah. win with Zach Wilson. I mean, the first three games back from injury, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but DeAndre Johnson was averaging seven catches for 80 yards. What do you have the last three weeks, or the last two games? Three catches for 30 mm-hmm. yards? Like, come on, man. Yeah, like, Pickens, Pickens really quiet, too. Yeah, and, and Pickens is, you know, Kenny, Kenny Pickett flings balls up to Pickens and hopes he catches it. He's done that since last year. Okay. But Deontay Johnson's the guy that no matter who the quarterback has been, catches five passes every week. Even with Pickett, last year he was doing that, right? This year he comes back, he's doing it again. In the last two weeks, he's vanished from the offense. 
That to me is the, the, why I say I'm so concerned with Kenny Pickett. Pat Farmouth returns does nothing. You're not really throwing the ball to the backfield that much. You can't get the ball to Pickens. How do you throw 28 passes, throw eight of them to Deontay Johnson and complete two of them? Deontay Johnson is not running 40-yard routes, right? So, I, I mean, Deontay Johnson you can't use anymore. Pickens is just a desperation. I hope he you know, makes a great catch. Pat Firemuth returned and caught one, one ball. He wasn't even on the field half the time. Like, it's all the backfield for this team. They're going to be in games, but it's going to be boring to watch. Cleveland uh, is maybe the worst 7-3 and three team <laughs> in NFL history. Maybe. <laughs> uh, Ray, there's seven games left. Yeah. How many will Joe Flacco start? I mean, you said it earlier, DTR threw 43 passes, which is way too much. He threw 43 passes. They scored 13 points, and he threw for 165 yards, which is worse than Pickett. I mean, that's so bad. His his final drive that, that eventually led to the winning field goal, mm-hmm. that was the best part of his day. He started – like they needed to gain yards in the passing game, and he started 4-4. Four four. Um, he completed those four passes to four different receivers. I think it went for about 40 yards. Like that was the highlight for me. And it, it, hey, he deserves it. He led them to a game winning drive in a huge, huge game. But that was it, Ray. It was like those four passes were the moments for DTR. They're on the road in Denver, which is tough. They're on the road in LA. That Chargers or Rams? Uh, That is the Rams. Sorry. Uh, I don't think Joe Flacco starts this week. He won't be ready, right? So, okay, that's out. Would they? But what is it? Joe Flacco got a lot of rust. I mean, come on. Joe Flacco, even when he knock off the rust, he's still the same dude. Of he's course still he is. I think they have to make the deter- <laughs> they have to make the determination how they want their offense to run, right? Do they want the athleticism or the guy in the pocket? Because it's it's a different scheme. I don't think Walker's the answer. I don't think DTR's the answer. I don't think Flacco's the answer. So yeah. it depends how they look at the schedule. I'm going to say that if Joe Flacco is not starting in Week 13 against the Rams. He's not going to make a start unless there's an injury. Yeah. So. I, and, and I'm not saying Flacco. Flacco's the name here, but honestly, is he any better than Dorian Thompson Robinson? I don't know. I mean, we always fall for the like leadership and experience and decision making. Joe Flacco, I think, has lost a lot, <laughs> a lot, and I don't know if he ever had a lot. <laughs> you know, honestly. come on, Kyle. He was good at one point. He was fine. He was good. He was never great. Yeah, he had an arm. Remember that was the thing. He could throw it deep. He could. Is he able to throw it like that anymore? And do do the Browns even want him for that? Like again, they 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 want the the quick hits and the run. So, you know, I guess it's good to have a steadier hand. Maybe it's more of hey, we want a guy in here to teach Dorian Thompson Robinson, or or to come in in the second half if he throws three picks in the first half, kind yeah. of thing. So that's fair, Kyle. Yeah. Um, I apologize. I, I was supposed to do this before we we fired up the live stream and, and the pod today. Um, I, I was going to check the Vatican's uh, TikTok account. Oh, I'm sure, sure they got one, or or even you know YouTube or uh, X, whatever. Surely the the Pope's on there. I wanted to see Ray if they were proclaiming a miracle in uh, Landover, Maryland, yesterday, uh, because Tommy DeVito. Ray, that, that's a very, what was it, 31 points with Tommy DeVito? Um, okay, Ray, Zach Wilson, Dorian Thompson-Robinson, or Tommy DeVito? Who's the guy you'd rather have? The Pope is talking about fundamental rights for children and struggles in uh, Ukraine, Kyle, so he did not well, mention. We'll get deeper on the feed, Ray. I'm sure there's some Tommy DeVito 
you know, we're, we're, this is the first sign of a miracle. That Mar- the miracles to be entered into sainthood. Poverty. No, it's not yeah. happening, Kyle. I'm sorry. People want to talk football, okay, Pope Francis? They don't yeah. want to talk poverty. Football is what they want. <laughs> it's true, but sad. That's how you get uh, followers, okay? Yeah, right. It's only got 18 million followers. Uh, <laughs> 18 million? 18 million, yeah. He's actually, I was looking at, I don't know who's actually tweeting. There's like, 10 tweets for the last like six days. Like it, it's an active account. Is that, that's not TikTok. He's not on TikTok. Is he? I don't know. That was Twitter. X. Like looping I, I, videos of Pope Francis, like uh, consecrating the host and stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Look at what I'm doing. I'm pulling miracles. <laughs> um, Man, DeVito, three touchdown passes. The last time Daniel Jones had three touchdown passes was 2019. Whoa. <laughs> uh, and I got to tell you, you know, I, in my dynasty, I've told the story. In my dynasty, I was I lost Jones, I lost Fields. Fields is back, so I had him active. I had to pick up Devito, and it's like, man, if I would have played Devito yesterday, I would have had three touchdowns. Yeah. Uh, that's, I mean, Devito's playing for a backup job career, right? That's what he's playing for. He's not going to be the starter for the Jet, Giants or anyone else next season. Oh, he's going to be a like FS one breaking down Sunday NFLs right in about two years. It would be he like might. Dan Orvlosky. Yeah, he might. That's, <laughs> I mean, he might, but you know. He he had to, he had a, he played a good game yesterday, and he yeah. did. He you know he played a good game, and on the other side, the Commanders couldn't hold on to the football, and uh, that was kind of the storyline there. Yeah, Sam Howell three three picks, and and that's you know that is it's easy to pick on a guy after this game. I mean, you lost at home to a really bad team that, really that you should not be losing. And they, no. what six turnovers I think for six. the Commanders, yep. and, and the one that was just beyond frustrating was the third one. Like they're on that first and fifteen, trying to drive to make it a game. And and Sam Howell just blindly throws a football. And first, this is not fourth down. And I just he just chucks a football up. It was picked off, ran the other way for a touchdown. And it's like that's that's the infuriating part here, Ray. Is I expect you to make some bad decisions, but you can't do it in that moment. Yeah. And, and we see Zach Wilson kind of do those things where he's constantly running back and retreat, and instead of throwing the football away, he takes a twenty yard sack. You know, stupid things like that. The, the commanders and the Giants, both these teams, right? Like, you got Saquon Barkley. Like, that's a huge win. Mm-hmm. I, I'm expecting nothing from Saquon Barkley the rest of the season. You get two touchdowns. That's gigantic. Crazy thing with Saquon, he's got five touchdowns this year. Four of them are receiving. Ray, he has one rushing touchdown, and I think he's up to about 150-plus carries. He's got one rushing touchdown. Um, on the other side for the Commanders, nothing really here. It's another week where Brian Robinson is more of like a pass catcher, which mm-hmm. is kind of nice for the Robinson owner. You're getting those extra PPR or yardage points. I, I'm surprised that we are now 11 games in, Ray. 11. And Terry McLaurin has yet to get to 90 yards receiving in any of them. He hasn't been bad this year, but he's been really, really quiet in this offense all season long. In a PPR setup right now, Brian Robinson is running back four. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> right? And he was the guy everyone drafted as the bottom end RB2, and it's like, uh, four. Yeah. And again, the, the receiving helps. Gibson was out with the toe injury and all that, too. That helps. A couple of nice long plays. Catch, the running back position itself was kind of pulled back to the pack, too, but he's in every week. Start. And I get questions about him all the time. Do I start? It's like, so right yeah, back you one, to. you gotta, you got to. Um, the McLaurin stuff. I mean, yesterday, let's just say what it was too. Yesterday was a smash matchup for Hal, and he played like butt. Mm-hmm. Okay, the offense didn't get it done. They turned it over six times, all that. 
McLaurin produces no matter what offense they're in, no matter who's the OC, no matter who's the quarterback. He goes out and catches five balls for 55 yards every week, right? That's just what he does. The problem is there's no ceiling. And for a team, to your point, Kyle, for a team in, in the in the commanders who their quarterback threw another 45 passes yesterday, he throws 40 passes every single every week. week. And McLaurin's five for 55. Like, I, I don't get it. Uh, they lost Curtis Samuel in the fight earlier. Right, right. So what did that do to McLaurin? Seven targets. Like, I don't know why they don't utilize him more. I know defense is key on him. I get it. But it's also disappointing that he's not more heavily involved in an offense that throws the ball legitimately 40 yeah. times. Every and, and they want to do that every week. Like, that's their game plan. Let's throw it 40 times, but they don't make use of guys. It's like 40 empty calories. That, that's what we've got from that Washington offense. Uh, they come up short 31 to 19. They lose both games this season to the Giants. Both. That's That shouldn't happen. If you're the commanders, and I think Ron Rivera is probably looking for a job or just going into broadcasting after this season. Um, let's go to Carolina. Uh, we just mentioned Saquon Barkley, like 150 carries, one touchdown. Finally happened on Sunday in Charlotte. Tony Pollard got into the end zone. Been a long wait. He had two touchdowns in week one and nothing since. Um, you'll take the touchdown, Ray, because it's been so bad. But he is now seven straight games without even 70 yards rushing which I bring up 70 yards because in the first three games this year, he was over 70 in all of them. And he's just gone quiet. And, and this is another thing, 33 points for the Cowboys, Ray. And you talk about a sleepwalk effort. And I, I don't know, Car Carolina has become the new place, Ray, where you watch a game and you're just like, oh, I'm going to fall asleep. There, there's just no atmosphere. The team isn't good. It's like watching the uh, Pittsburgh Pirates in September when they're at home and you're just like, that that's the Panthers, Ray. Like there is nothing going on in that stadium. Uh, it was all Cowboy fans yesterday, and again, thirty-three points. And I, outside of Pollard's touchdown, I'm kind of struggling to remember any of the other points that the Cowboys scored in this game. Well, there was CD Lamb, you know, catching the ball in the end zone when he deep defender out, but he didn't do much. He lost his streak of hundred-yard games and all that. Pollard's touchdown run was really nice. Like it was very a very nice. good run, yeah. very nice run. But to your overarching point, I mean, he basically entered the year with five yards of carry. Right now he's at four, okay? We're talking about yards after contact. Think of the 3.6, which is astronomical. 2.5, 2.5, which is fantastic. 2.6, which is tremendous. This year, 1.5. Mm. He's not doing anything. He's not generating anything after contact at all. I mean, think about that. That's a full yard lost from where he'd previously been. And that doesn't sound like much until you realize he's carried the ball 150 times. That's a lot. Mm -hmm. um their offense didn't need to do much it was just a game they won and it was I kind of watched it and it was very much like when you watch some of the Niners games are this way too like sometimes they have the huge efforts but other times it's like you look up and it's 28 to, to 10 and it's like no one really did anything but they just won the football game it was over it's kind of yeah. a sleepwalk to your point that's kind of what the Cowboys did better times will be ahead for the offense not going to bother you with much from the Panthers I mean Bryce Young's still learning uh Frank Reich took over the OC duties um Probably the biggest thing there was Adam Thielen kind of returned as a possibility. Uh, they did split the backfield, Sanders and uh, Hubbard. Hubbard. So that's maybe Trent, maybe Sanders getting his sea legs back. So uh, we'll see how that goes. Both guys, honestly, with the way the backfields are, I mean, both guys should be getting 10 carries a week. So for a lot of you, they, they might be starters, which is disheartening because Dak Prescott in the last four weeks has created more touchdowns than the Panthers offense has created all year. <laughs> that's a nut. I think it's 14 to 13 
on that scoreboard. Uh, let's go to Jacksonville. Jaguars 34, Titans 14. Uh, great to see Lawrence have his moment last week, Ray. We were like, wow, it's it's not happening this mm -hmm. year. Uh, yesterday, by far, his best game. Two passing touchdowns, two rushing touchdowns. Calvin Ridley, that roller coaster of Ridley, it was up on Sunday. Had a couple of touchdowns over 100 yards. He's all over the place. You, you just have to start him. You know, he's a fancy Gabriel Davis. You just start him. You, you have to. Um, Tennessee side, Ray, I mean, they're they're terrible. Will Levis, like four touchdowns. Like, that seems like ancient history. And, and really, the knock here is Derrick Henry. What's going on with him? I guess they are so bad as an offense, Ray. And Henry is, you know, if it's third and eight or third and 12, he's just not on the field. And it seems like they're facing a lot of that on third down. So there's just nothing here for Derrick Henry. And it's kind of, you know, Eckler, we say, oh, is he washed up? I hate saying Derrick Henry's washed up. But, Ray, he has had multiple games this year that we haven't seen in years, you know, where he's held under 20 yards or he's not even getting 10 carries. And, and maybe this offense has finally just become so bad that there's just not enough work to go around for Derrick Henry. He, he can't even prove to us if he's washed up or not. Yeah, and it's kind of devolved into a situation very much like the Steelers, where everyone's kind of now excited about the backup guy, but there's the lead guy. Henry still had more snaps yesterday and still ran more routes than Spears. Spears is not a thing. Everyone's tried to make him a thing. The only way Spears is going to be a thing is if Henry gets hurt, okay? Even then, the question would be, what does this offense look like? And, I, you know, you're in a game where you're getting smoked, right? you got a young quarterback. You're trying to see, is he the future? Let's get him reps. They throw 17 passes? Like, there's this offense is terrible. It's mm -hmm. so bad. It's brutally bad. And it was easy to blame Ryan Tannehill because it's like a Ryan – it's not Ryan. Like, do we know now it's not Ryan Tannehill? It's everything else. It's, you know, and it, Henry, the best thing that could have happened would have been a trade. Cause I, I, I'm, you didn't say it directly, but if Derek Henry's getting 18 carries for another team, he's getting 80 yards and a touchdown a week, right? It's happening. Yeah. And it's just, like you said, in this offense, Derek Henry now is, I can't say he's a must start anymore. We talked a lot about that at the start of the show. I think that for the majority of teams, you're still starting Henry, but I can't say he's a must start. There are just too many games like this. Tennessee is going to be kicking themselves. They didn't flip them. And I realize people are third round pick, fourth round pick. I mean, there's not, that's how the NFL works, but they should have taken what they could get from Derrick Henry when they had the opportunity. Um, Houston 21, Arizona 16. Uh, Ray, I, I think in that league you and I were talking about earlier, I had to make a desperation or no, it was another league. Uh, Rondell Moore was a desperation ad or something. And man, I felt brilliant five minutes into yesterday. Like, look at me, man. Touchdown. 48 yard touchdown. That was his last catch of the day. <laughs> I still call it a win, though, because I got the touchdown. Uh, Kyler Murray looked, you know, it's more of the same. It's never good. It's never awful. It's, you know, fantasy wise, he's fine. But then you watch him throw some passes and they're all over the place. So that, that's what they're working with in Arizona. I will say the offense is at least a threat with Kyler Murray. It appears to be in a better spot, even than it was with, with Josh Dobbs. On the Houston side, Ray, there was no Noah Brown. And I'm kind of getting to the point with Houston because, again, they're throwing a lot too. And C.J. Stroud had some picks yesterday, some bad throws, kind of like his first issues, I guess, with that. But, Ray, they're to the point where Brown, Collins, and Dell – it's almost like you have to start them every week because the potential. And usually it's only one of them, maybe two of them get going. We've seen games with all three of them. But it's kind of weird for me to be sitting here in week 11, week 12, saying, wow, Houston's got three receivers that I think for a lot of people are starting every week. 
Well, and you know, yesterday with Brown out, Robert Woods went five for 44 on eight targets. And I, you know, we write an article at fantasyguru.com again. The promo code's FSD20. If you want to sign up, you get the rest of the season, uh, seasonal and DFS wise through the Super Bowl. Uh, we do a training article where we talk about things, and one of the sections that we write about is the watch list. And I had the Texans uh, Cardinals game, and so I talked about Robert Woods, put him on the watch list. It's like Robert Woods is what he was yesterday, right? Robert Woods is a 10-point-a-week guy in a PPR setup. He's not going bonkers or anything like that. He's not someone you have to add because Brown was out. But as you can see here, Brown's dealt with injuries. Collins dealt with injuries. Dell's dealt with injuries. Wood has dealt All of these wide receivers have missed game action. And to your point, it's hard to say three guys from any offense are, are goes every week. But the Texans are getting pretty close to saying they name, they name a few must-starts, you know, like top 25 guys. But when you start looking at three wide receiver leagues with flex options, if you're in a PPR setup, there's something there. So, yeah, it's very interesting to see the maturation of, of Stroud, who did play a rough game compared to what we've seen previously. His end zone pick was horrible. He just flung that ball up in the end zone, mm -hmm. too. But overall, you know, he threw for 330. Devin Singletary did his thing. And the passing attack with that wide receiving core continues to get it done. And Texans are now six and four Singletary, back-to-back uh, -back strong weeks. I kind of wondered, could he do it again? He did. Um, and, and Ray, a lot of work here. He was 22 carries, 112 yards and a touchdown. Uh, is the Damian Pierce owner, SOL? I mean, even when he's back, is it uh, Pierce? Uh, maybe Houston does the same. Coaches do this all the time. For whatever reason, oh, the guy's back and we're going to use him. It's like, what are you thinking? He did nothing before. A new guy came in, did something, and now you just want to give Pierce 10 carries again. And and perhaps that could happen. I wouldn't be shocked, but man, this should be Singletary's job at this point. No ifs, ands, or buts about it, I believe. Also in that article, the trending up, uh, I write about Singletary and the Pierce situation at fantasyguru.com. And I think that we see this all over the place. It's not going to be Singletary 23 touches and Pierce three. It's not going to be that way. I think what it likely would be, if I had to guesstimate, let's give 18 to Singletary, let's give 11 to Pierce. Like they're they're gonna want to do that. Like they're gonna you know they're gonna they're gonna be on the field a lot. The offense is gonna be working. Pierce will be part of the offense. I'd be very surprised if he's phased out. But at this point, it'd be very hard to say we got to go back, quote unquote, to Pierce. He's had two games of 60 rushing yards this season. Uh, we just saw Singletary run for 100 plus yards in back to back games. Touchdown both games. Mm -hmm. uh, he's a better pass catcher, even though he's not really filling that role in the offense. He's a better pass catcher than Pierce. So. Pierce will be, I think, a nuisance when he returns. But I do think Singletary has to be looked at as the 1A in this backfield. Uh, a few more late games to get to. San Francisco 27, Tampa Bay 14. Uh, Rashad White continues to catch passes, find the end zone. So it's a guy who's not good, but he's been fine for fantasy players. San Francisco side, Ray, um, excellent stuff. Brock Purdy had the first perfect QB rating for a 49er quarterback uh, since 1989. I think it's... 15 QBs have had a perfect rating in the game. Uh, now that does include like Nick Foles and stuff. So guys can do this. Uh, but Brock Purdy appears back. McCaffrey's doing his thing. Ayuk had a personal best. Kittle's going off. Everything's good now for the 49ers except Ray. Debo Samuel. Debo. I, I, been injured, been beat up. But Ray, seven games, and I know they haven't been seven complete games. Mm -hmm. But he's missed weeks. He's missed time. Seven games. He's still. 45 touches, I think it is, this year. Man, it's, it's, and I get there are reasons, but this is like a, even when he's out there, there's not a whole lot there going on for Debo Samuel in this offense. Yeah, and the Niners are going to make the playoffs and the MVP is going to be Debo Samuel. Watch. Like, it's just the way, you know, because it doesn't make any sense. We'll I Turn him loose in January. Yeah, right? Yeah. 
And you see, I mean, you see it every week when he gets the ball in his hands and you've said it for years now, no one can tackle him one-on-one. Mm-hmm. Like you can't like he, and I don't know. I think, I mean, they're paying him all this money. He's an integral part of their offense. He's a massive weapon. Okay. But you're fair to point out that all these other guys are Kittle's popping. Ayuk's popping. CMC's popping. Samuel's just kind of there. And it's surprising. Uh, it you, I, in my opinion, I don't know how you would bench Samuel in the fantasy space. Like I just, cause any, any individual week could be eight touches, 120 yards and two touchdowns. Like it's, it's just there. Uh, but it has been a long stretch from him of not living up to expectations. Completely fair. Rams 17 Seahawks 16 biggest news here is injuries. Ray, uh, Kenneth Walker, Geno Smith, Cooper cup. Uh, what's your take on those three situations right now? Yeah, uh, they play on a short week this week. They play Thursday against the Niners to the Seahawks. So Kenneth Walker has an oblique injury. In, in baseball, you miss six weeks with this. In football, sometimes you play the next week. We'll have to wait and see. Uh, it's a short week, so even if he plays, you can't expect a full workload. So Charbonnet, obviously, uh, if he's on the waiver wire, which he absolutely shouldn't be, is a pickup even in a difficult matchup with the Niners. Geno Smith, Geno Smith, I mean, you know. Yeah. Uh, Lock, Drew Locke came in yesterday, threw a pick. It's because Tyler Lockett's five foot three and 106 pounds. If he was a normal size wide receiver, he could have defended it. He just physically was outmatched by the 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 cornerback. Uh, Locke, skills wise, is capable of doing. I think some things down the field that Smith isn't. Smith's more of a game manager. Uh, I would have to think he played. He reentered yesterday, right? I have to think mm-hmm. he plays. Uh, and then Cooper Cup got stepped on. Uh, he, you know, he was, they worked on him. He tried to get back in the game and he couldn't. And that was really disappointing. So I don't, I assume he'll be okay. I assume, but where he got stepped on, you have to worry about Achilles. And yeah. Like it's, you know, I'm, I'm not certain where Cooper cup is going to be. And that's disappointing because he was in a spot yesterday where he should have had success. You know, I, I think Gino probably plays Thursday night. It's a very important game for the Seahawks. And the fact he came back makes you feel a bit better about that. Uh, Charbonnet, even if he gets the call, folks, again, it's the 49ers. And, and Ray and I were looking at the schedule because Charbonnet will be a big ad in leagues where he's available. Two of the next three weeks are San Francisco games. So that's rough. Um, they have a road trip to Dallas that is sandwiched between that. Does anybody have a rougher run than San Francisco at Dallas and then at San Francisco? That's like a brutal <laughs> three-game run. And then they come home to take on Philly. So, like, the next four games, Ray, are really difficult for the Seahawks and for Charbonnet. So just understand that if you're blowing the budget to get them. Schedule's not going to do him any favors. Finally, Ray, the Sunday nighter. Um, I guess we can call it a good game. It was competitive. Um, Will Lutz was a fantasy hero, kicking field goal after field goal. Um, at the end, Denver gets a touchdown, uh, kind of a jump ball to Cortland Sutton. The, the takeaway here for me, Ray, is Dobbs was fine. Wilson was fine. Javante Williams, probably a letdown. Hawkinson, fine. The Viking backfield, we got to see both Madison and Chandler, and both guys did pretty well in this game against Denver. Yeah, it's a really interesting scenario that's playing out. I Guys get concussions now, and they, they sit out. Madison didn't, which is surprising, because most guys have, have missed, the majority of players have missed multiple I missed a game in return two weeks later from a concussion. They didn't make that happen. We kind of learned that late in the week. Chandler was a big pickup with the expectation, hope he'd do something. He had a good effort, and he he looked the better of the two. He was more productive of the two. But Madison got all the short yardage work. Madison ran twice as many routes, and Madison played twice as many snaps. So it's another one of these scenarios that we're seeing play out across the land where the, the quote-unquote backup is the guy that flashes. He's the guy that pops, and oftentimes is the guy who's more productive. I was surprised – 
not in the touch distribution last night, but I was surprised to see Madison dominate again, snaps and routes run. I did not expect that. Should note, Hawkinson was not the best fantasy tight end on the Vikings. That would be Josh Oliver. Four catches, 47 yards, and a touchdown. And lo and behold, I think if you were playing the showdown matchup last night, Josh Oliver would have been a part of your uh, perfect DFS lineup. What do you run? 2600 bucks there. Will Lutz, I think, part of that perfect lineup, too, if you stuck him in there. Uh, Joshua Dobbs, uh, he would have been the direction to go on the captaincy. We bring all that up because as we conclude things, at least on the football portion of today's podcast, it's time to talk about another showdown. This is a biggie. Philadelphia and Kansas City Monday night football Super Bowl rematch in Kansas City. Uh, as far as we know, uh, Miss Swift will not be there. Um, so we'll have to see if that affects her uh, bow, Travis Kelsey. Uh, we do know this. Ryan Clifford has probably looked at those numbers with Swift in attendance versus without Swift in attendance. And he is with us today in attendance to uh, preview the Monday Nighter. This is always more fun, is it not, Ryan, when we, when we have a game like this? Like there's talent everywhere. We expect scoring. Um, it's a very fun showdown slate tonight between these two, isn't it? Yeah, for sure. Excuse me. I was just taking Travis Kelsey out of my player pool for tonight. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I she's in South America on a tour. Um, unfortunately, I think somebody had like a heat stroke debt, so they canceled the show. So maybe she'll make the trip back to Kansas City tonight. I, maybe I'm I'm jumping to a conclusion that I shouldn't. I, I don't think she's going to be there. Um, how about the Chiefs, though? Because on the surface, like we think to ourselves, Ryan, well, that's a high-flying offense. You know, they put up points. I don't know if that's necessarily true. Like Mahomes has been a little down this year. Kelsey's been a little down this year. Um, do you kind of side more with the Philadelphia end of things or the Kansas City end of things tonight? Uh, Kansas City side of things for me. Uh, I actually love the way the Chiefs are playing. They're much more balanced uh, this season. Defense is playing off the chains. I think they're number one in the league tied with San Francisco in points against per game. Um, you know, you got Andy Reid and his wizardry of coming off bye weeks. Um, I, I, I like the Chiefs here. Yeah, that's an interesting point here, Ryan. And how do you factor that in? The fact that both teams are coming off a bye, uh, which is pretty odd. Normally we say, oh, you know, you get some extra time to, to figure this out and game plan and everything. And as you mentioned, Andy Reid, did you look into Andy Reid specifically with the bye week scenario and, and also with the Eagles and, and factor that into your model? Or is that just something we talk about to keep in the back of our minds? It doesn't get factored into my model. Uh, Nick Sirianni is also 2-0 and coming off of uh, bye weeks with the Eagles. So, uh, I guess maybe maybe we'll, we won't see any points. It'll be a zero zero tie. <laughs> Just more of that, man. Do not give us a zero zero. <laughs> yeah. uh, let's start out at the top. Talk a little bit about the slate tonight. If you looked over at DraftKings, Mahomes is eleven thousand two hundred. Hertz is eleven thousand. Talk to us about those two quarterbacks again. The price point almost identical, and you know they're going to be active everywhere. Which way would you lean tonight, Ryan? Yeah, like I said, I like the Chiefs. I, I lean towards Mahomes, but uh, I think a majority of your lineups tonight in showdown contests should feature one of these two as your captain. Um, of note, there is going to be some atrocious weather, it looks like, in this game, uh, both rain and wind. Um, I still don't think that's going to be enough to kind of push those running backs up to the point where you're you're not looking at these past games tonight. Uh Mahomes and Hurts, two of the three highest quarterbacks in the league as far as 
uh, rates finishing as the perfect captain. Only Josh Allen's finished with more perfect captain appearances in the last three seasons than them. Uh, only Justin Jefferson outside of those three is finished with more perfect captain appearances than Mahomes or Hertz. So um, these are two of the best in the league at finishing in that top position. Your column uh, is up over at Fantasy Guru as we speak, subscribers only. Uh, you do a lot of modeling in that column, each and every showdown column that you put together, and you simulate these games. And there's a portion in here where you, you use your model to simulate a thousand games. And here are the top five optimal captains. I'm not going to run through all five of those guys, but I'm surprised that Jalen Hurts is not on that list. Like, it, it, did that catch you off guard that Jalen Hurts, who we think of, you know, rushing and, and passing and great talent, is it so much the defense he's against? Or how should people look at Hurts tonight? Because he's going to be popular, but but your model doesn't think he has a huge game here. Yeah, what I do is I simulate the game a thousand times, um, you know, play by play and take the, you know, the showdown, optimal showdown lineups as far as the, you know, stats play out in those games. And, you know, you'll notice DeAndre Swift is in that list. So I think that Hertz exclusion from the list directly correlates with Swift's inclusion in the list. So, um, you know, for whatever reason, I'm, you know, expecting the Eagles to maybe focus on the run a little bit more, whether that's the weather, uh, Dallas Goddard being out of the lineup. Um, you know, there could be uh, any number of reasons for that. But, yeah, I, I do like Swift a lot tonight. Uh, still, again, don't think you should – you know, forget about Hertz. I think he should be one of the top two captains in your builds. But uh, yeah, yeah, I definitely lean Mahomes and uh, Eagles run game is of interest to me. Yeah, the Eagles run game's got DeAndre Swift at 8,400 over at DraftKings and Isaiah Pacheco's at 7,200. Pacheco, you know, he's been good. He hasn't had many huge games. And obviously you're looking for that on a showdown slate. But you've mentioned multiple times now the concern you might have with the weather. What's the, the interest level in playing Pacheco tonight? Uh, again, you prefer Swift, but is Pacheco someone you would consider given the weather particularly? Yeah, I, I would consider him. Uh, I do like the Chiefs pass game still, and I like the, the pieces where Mahomes not going to have to be forced to throw the ball downfield. So you, you look at those long plays, you got guys like Justin Watson, Marquez Valdez, Scantling. Um, you look at those short, kind of dump off passes and you've got a guy like Jarek McKinnon involved in a lot of those. And I think he's going to be heavily involved tonight. Uh, look at a guy like Travis Kelsey, uh, Rasheed Rice has been catching balls all over the field. Um, you know, you look at a guy like Sky Moore getting uh, more, more of the short type of passes. So I think you're going to focus on that. And as far as that plays out for the running backs, I think that leans towards Jarek McKinnon for me. On the Philly side, uh, no Dallas Goddard in this game. We should note he was not placed on IR. So I know some of you season-long players thought he was going to be out for four weeks. He may not. Uh, he may only miss a game or two. We'll see. But I, I know a lot of people, because of that injury, Jack Stoll may be of some interest here, Ryan. Maybe even Julio Jones. And the, the price range on those guys, I think it's 2600 for Jones, 32 for Stoll. Kind of talk about those two guys. Do you favor one over the other to maybe – pick up some of that slack with Goddard out? I honestly think both of those guys are kind of in a punty type of range. Um, I admittedly don't know much about these tight ends for the Eagles. Um, I went and looked at pro football focus grades for these three guys, Jack Stoll and Grant Calcaterra, both grade out a lot better as blockers than they do as receivers. Mm. And then you've got Albert O in there 
um, who we haven't seen or heard from in years, um, but he grades out much better as a receiver. So I'm kind of interested to see if he gets some serious playing time tonight with Goddard out as far as that pass catching tight end role goes. I talked about on the surface, we assume points. You, you, you may be uh, watered down our expectations with the weather concerns. Um, are we topping 50? I, I, I kind of look at uh, maybe the way your column leans and people might be disappointed in the lack of scoring perhaps tonight, huh? Yeah, yeah, I do think the weather is going to be a, a big factor here. Um, I've got it going 23-20 Chiefs, so I've got a slight edge to the under. I don't think we'll get to 50 um, unless, you know, the weather holds up, which I'm not a meteorologist, so I, can, I can't really tell you that. But but he does get better with his meteorology as we get closer to kickoff. So we're, we're putting this together at like 12-15. Uh, so we still have, what, seven hours, uh, six hours, whatever it is, until game time. Uh, so be in Discord. We'll have a better read on the weather. We'll know if, if the field is a mess. We'll start getting reporting from some of the uh, analysts on site, you know, how the field is playing. We'll, we'll know how the game is expected to go over three, three and a half hours with the weather. So make sure that you're in Discord because when that information becomes available, when we firm up that forecast a bit more, it can make a difference. So uh, you can go ahead and build your lineup now, but be ready to adjust uh, based off Ryan and the rest of the crew in Discord and what they say. Do check out the column up and available right now. A lot of great info here, uh, various uh, flex options, captain options, punt options, kind of uh, seeing how this game profiles. Of course, the statistical modeling about how our optimal lineups usually built. Um, absolute resource if you're interested in playing this game tonight between the Eagles and the Chiefs. Uh, Ryan, a pleasure, man. Great stuff as always. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, guys. Ryan Clifford there with us. He is the man we turn to when we have these uh, single game slates. And Ray, we shall see with the weather. And whether it's a little different in, in DFS, especially on a showdown where it's the only game in town. We, we often comment how in season with the weather, people get a little too crazed right. about it. But when you're playing a one game only and you're choosing guys, then we can start to emphasize that weather a bit more for DFS. Absolutely. And Brian mentioned this in his visit that oftentimes like people freak out with snow and it's like, is, unless it's a blizzard at the time of the game, it really is more about wind. Like rain too, you can play through, but the wind, you know, tends to affect everything. Everything's slick and wet and all that, but the wind is generally something that I pay the most attention to if we're talking wind, rain, and snow. Yeah. Um, so again, thanks to Ryan Clifford. That game is going to be kicking off at 8.15 Eastern. Uh, let me see. I can pull up a forecast here for Kansas City. You're so um, handy, Kyle. Look at you. Yeah, well, it might have got a brother who lives in Kansas City, so I keep it handy. Um, now, granted, this is an iPhone weather forecast. These things are notoriously awful. Uh, but, Ray, we are looking. I mean, throughout the evening, I mean, they've got rain all day long. Like right now, it should be raining. It's getting up to 70%, 60% all the way through the night. Levels off a bit after 11 o'clock Eastern. Uh, but the temperature is low 40s. Um, in terms of wind, I guess it's about 10 to 15 miles an hour. So the wind maybe won't be bad, but there will be plenty of rain. Uh, it sounds like whipping around. So we shall see again. Check out Discord, check out your uh, favorite iPhone or Android weather forecaster and see what you can get closer to kickoff. A uh, big thank you to Ryan Clifford and thanks to everybody joining us talking football. Uh, we are late here as usual on a Monday. There's so much to recap, but we do want to spend a few minutes Ray baseball mm -hmm. uh, because we've been talking about free agency and big names and where they're going to land. Uh, one of the big names has decided where he is landing for the upcoming season and not just 2024, but the next seven seasons, Aaron Nola 
back with the Philadelphia Phillies, Ray. Um, I, I, I think the deal makes sense for Philadelphia. The, the years are a little high. I don't know how many other teams were willing to go like beyond five years on Aaron Nola. The money, I mean, we're to the point, Ray, where if you want to play the game, this is what it costs to play, you right. know? Uh, I will say Aaron Nola, if you're going to give him this money, he's kind of like of that Max Scherzer ilk. He takes the ball, he goes out and he throws. Um, people will look at the ERA and say, really? But, but Ray, I, I think it's been pointed out elsewhere. When you look at Nola, he's had enough good years where you think he's a good pitcher. And honestly, Philadelphia's defense sucks. Like, his defense does not help him. The ballpark does not help him. Um, so maybe fantasy-wise, it would have helped if he'd gone somewhere else. But there's also a consideration that kind of staying in the place where you're born and raised is maybe a good thing for Aaron Nola here. Yeah, we talked about this and how like Blake Snell would do in Philadelphia as an example last week. And Nola's been there. He knows it. It's his organization. He's got a chance if he fulfills the contract uh, of like being the second longest tenured Philly behind only Mike Schmidt. I think it'd be like 16 years or something. Uh, if you look at his last six years, Aaron Nola's had a whip of 109. Uh, he's had 10 strikeouts per nine innings. Like he's an innings eater who stays healthy, gives a strikeouts, and the whip is there. Now, mm-hmm. the ERA has been volatile. A lot of that has to do with the home run. But like you said, this is the price of doing business. Uh, when he's 37 years old, this is probably going to be a terrible contract. But that's the the price uh, you have to pay to get a guy that's going to lead your staff. Healthy strikeouts, keeping guys off base, kind of the name of the game, and they're hard to find, Kyle. And, and you mentioned, like, being in the same spot. He's built up a relationship with the fans. Like, he can get ugly anywhere, but it helps when you've already, like, given really good years for eight years. And, like, the fan base says, ah, We'll boo you, but we're not going to murder you out here. You know, there's there's still where Blake Snell comes, Ray, and it's bad. It gets ugly. You're won the signing award, and you yeah. suck. Yeah, it yeah. gets so ugly. Seven one seventy. You think Blake Snell tops that? I, I'm going to say yes. I, I bet he gets like six one eighty. I bet they do it the yeah, other I gonna, way. I was going to say years lower, but money yeah. and higher. I mean, and again, I think it's it's that classic example we talk about in the fantasy space all the time. You know, with Snell, the highs are higher, the lows are lower, too. Mm-hmm. So uh, it'll, yeah, you know, it's it's a, it's a it's a it's a. I think, like you said, l- less years, more money. I think that's doable. That is uh, the first big shoe, heavy shoe, if you will, to uh, drop in free agency. Maybe that'll loosen things up a bit more. Should note, I think this happened Friday after Ray and I concluded uh, here with the podcast. The Brewers. Kind of admitted, uh, let's let's blow the thing up and rebuild. Obviously, Council's moved on. Sounds like Corbin Burns is going to be traded. Ray, they, in effect, released Brandon Woodruff, uh, who's a huge name for those who haven't been following it, though. He's got a fairly big surgery, a shoulder surgery coming up, Ray. And he's, you know, maybe August, September, he would pitch this year. Mm-hmm. He would have cost the Brewers like 10 to 12 million bucks. Then he would have gone into free agency. Uh, the Brewers kind of making a financial decision, which I I understand, Ray. They're a small market team. They've got to make these decisions. I don't fault them for this. It becomes interesting because now he's a free agent. And in effect, Ray, anyone's going to have to give him a two-year deal mm-hmm. with the understanding maybe he throws you five games in 2023. Right. Yeah, and it's really fascinating to see as you get like a two-year $20 million deal. Does someone do that? Cause they say you would make, you know, 11, 12 this year. We'll see. Um, you know, it's about health with him and he's dealt with physical situations recently. And it's too bad. Cause when he's been on the field, he's been terrific, including if we were a free agent, like healthy, he'd be yeah. the best pitcher available. I mean, he'd he? get a bigger contract than Aaron Nola. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he'd get a huge contract and 
you know, speaking directly about the Brewers, like you said, Corbin Burns is likely to be moved, I would think. Uh, Freddie Peralta is their only guy. It's Freddie Peralta, Colin Ray, and Adrian Hauser. That's their rotation right now if they deal Corbin Burns. Uh, they're going to need Aaron Ashby to come back something fierce from his struggles last year with health. Uh, but, yeah, Woodruff is now, like so many pitchers, unfortunately in that zone of we'll take a chance on you. If you're healthy, we love it. But we can't expect you to be healthy. And, and how the times change, right? you know, I'm here in St. Louis and the classic case of signing a guy knowing he won't pitch that first season, but giving him a two-year contract is Chris Carpenter. Mm. I think it was a two, it might've been, a, but he was coming off Tommy John. Now Carpenter did not have the track record at that time of Woodruff. He'd kind of been a, you know, when is this guy going to figure it out guy with Toronto and Ray, they, they got him, you know, and again, he didn't pitch at all in 03, but he became a, you know, a world series winner ace pitcher with the Cardinals. They, they paid him 300 grand in 2003 Ray and 300 grand in 2004. They got like two years, $600,000. Now then he got 2 million, 5 million, eight and a half, 10. Million. But like now if you're doing Woodruff Ray, it's not two years for 3 million or something. It's, it's two years for probably 20, 25. Yeah. And that's with the idea. He's not pitching this year almost. Yeah, I agree. I think that's very likely to be where they're at. Huh. Uh, there could be extensions on that too, like team options, and you know they could. So they might want to do make a commitment that way, where they can turn down here's five hundred grand if we don't give you the next ten million or whatever. But yeah, that's it's it's a fascinating case of. I saw Jacob Turner on Twitter, the former pitcher, talking about getting to free agency and how it's so so difficult because all these guys are getting released. You know, the last couple of days how difficult it actually is to get to the point where you can get that big free agent contract. Mm -hmm. Like we focus on the hundred guys it happens yeah. to everyone else. They really struggle to get there. And Woodruff is an example of a guy finally getting there. Terrible timing with the injury, but he's done enough. So at least he's going to get paid here. Even if it's not the huge contract he was hoping for. Yeah. It's like all the sports. There's that upper end and that high end crust that gets all the attention and the write-ups. Uh, but there's a lot, there's not much in between. <laughs> you're either at the top making hundreds of millions or you're the guy in year three who's doing well, but not making that money. And, and hopefully everybody can get the free agency, but it doesn't necessarily work that way. Anyway, Nola back with the Phillies. Uh, we'll see, maybe some more signings coming up this week. As always, when there are signings, Ray's got the write-ups over at fantasyguru.com covering baseball. Uh, for today, NHL, NBA, DFS, we heard from Ryan Clifford on the NFL side. Uh, we are your spot to land. We are the spot to go. We are the spot to trust when it comes to DFS. Uh, hit us up with columns, cheat sheets, all that discord. It is all available. And again, FSD 20 percent off everything at fantasyguru.com. Tomorrow, uh, recap of the Eagles and the Chiefs. Uh, we'll probably talk some waiver wire bidding. Uh, and Justin Finsterman is set to join us uh, with a little NBA. So that is where we stand for tomorrow. Ray, good stuff today. Talk to you in uh, 23 hours or so, okay? Looking forward to it, Kyle. This has been Fantasy Sports Daily, powered by FantasyGuru.com.